Welcome to this week's episode of the Geek Offensive Podcast. On the show this week, I have uh, one of the founders of PWG and the creator of Wanders of Melisanda, Scott Lost. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast talk to you oh thank you so much thank you for having me and uh appreciate you taking the time coming down to sunny san diego yeah this was uh well worth the trip uh we talk about scott's uh pro wrestling career and in his transition into comic books and it really like the whole creative process we got to like dive deep in that's kind of what we like to do on the show just kind of break stuff down and uh find out all the nuts and bolts and everything that's uh, what i like talking about i like talking about the nuts and bolts how things are broken <laughs> down so it's perfect fit yeah uh scott where can people find you and uh, uh feel free to plug like anything coming up as well yeah you could find me and my books at uh, accidentalaliens.com so you go into that site you can uh click on my face there i think there's a uh, all of our pictures all the different artists and creatives uh there if you click on that you'll get all of my social media or you could just go straight to my social media at scott lost on twitter and instagram and then on facebook.com forward slash scott lost so pretty easy to find type in my name and i pop up everywhere and you can find me on Instagram at Justin Malari and on Twitter at Justin underscore Malari. And The Geek Offensive has its own social media with the handle at Geek Offensive on just about everything. This show is brought to you by the Geek Say What Network. So big thank you to the network and to its owner, JPG. I, I went over this. He makes me say thank you. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh don't forget to download all the uh, podcasts available from the network. Um, they're available on all major platforms, wherever you get a podcast. Uh, first up, we have Ready, Set, Geek, hosted by Alex Catherine. It's your starting line to geek culture. Next up, we have our weekly trivia podcast, Geek KO, hosted by Justin Madriaga and Ish. Next up, we have our actual play RPG podcast, hosted by Rob Cigar and Lauren Peterson uh, and their whole crew. And then we have Diverse Geeks in Focus, hosted by Gemma Vidal, uh, putting a lens on marginalized issues within the geek community. And finally, after all the hype, uh, Birdo's and Elaine, Birdo and Elaine's podcast, Pencil Neck Geeks, is finally out and available for download and on pretty much, again, everywhere you can get a podcast. So please download, subscribe. We really do appreciate it. Our next uh, shout out goes through our associate producers, Wayland Productions, for providing a space. Normally, we're doing this one remotely. Um, you can find them at wayland.ws, and their latest audio drama, Where Live Gold Rush, is available right now on Alpha and on Apple Podcasts. Final shout out goes to jordandene.com. That's jordan, D E N E.com. And they are a geek apparel store out of Brooklyn, New York. They are eco-friendly, and they help you look nerdy. And if you shop with the promo code GeekSayWhat, you get 20% off your next purchase. So buy a shirt, you heathens. And that's about it. Uh, Scott, thank you again for this. Uh, oh, and we have the panel at the end of the month. Uh, yeah, stories across media. Yeah, please. October 26th. It is free to go. Just need to register online at the Comic-Con website. Uh, looking forward to seeing some of you out there. Yeah, over at Balboa Park. Or the Balboa, is it Park? Museum? It's the Comic-Con Museum. I don't have the address in front of me. It's at Balboa. Yeah. I know it's at Balboa. I wasn't sure if it was called just Park or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but don't forget to write, comment, and subscribe. Cue my music.
It's okay. Okay. We're, we're, we're not in the studio. This is a remote recording. We're recording at stately Lost Manor <laughs> yeah. for this... Uh, for this <laughs> Should uh, I close that window? window? Uh, no. As long, okay. as, as long as we're not near an airport. Yeah, yeah, okay. No. It, I don't, it barely picked up while. anything, so I think you're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, we've got some uh, gel birds uh, that fly by. It's that, it's that realness for this podcast, <laughs> yeah, that's right? Uh, oh, yeah, this raised, is... Un- Paradise Hills. Yeah, this is an un- uncensored one, by the way, so don't worry about, like... Like an f bomb slipping here. And oh, okay. There. Yeah. Right. And cheers. Thank you again cheers, for having yeah. me. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was really um, it's a good op- opportunity for me to like reach out to you and talk to you because one, we actually have a panel that we're doing together at the end of the month. Yeah. Storytelling across media, mm-hmm. but uh, I think with um, you're interesting for a couple of reasons because with uh, this week being one of the biggest weeks in pro wrestling period. And then um, also your own personal story of you kind of transitioning out of it into this new industry, which seems to be going really well for you. So mm-hmm. I, I think uh, there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about. And uh, I mean, first of all, um, for those who don't know, you are Scott Loss. You are one of the founders of Pro Wrestling Gorilla, And now you are the writer, creator of uh, Wanderers of Melisanda. Um, I think it's... From your from your own personal story standpoint, I think it's amazing to see a wrestler have a good life after the business. Because how many yeah. times do you hear that story of like, you know, things going downhill once a wrestler uh, hits past their prime? Right, right. Um, Sorry. Oh no, go. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, so, hit us pretty quick now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just all the beer in the in the the chest mm-hmm. um yeah no man i i was actually uh drawing comics was my first love mm-hmm. like in my life like i actually started drawing comics at a very young age mm-hmm. um i would actually force myself like during the summer i would force myself to stay inside and finish one page of art before i was allowed to leave the house oh, and so i was like training myself to become a comic book artist mm-hmm. because i knew that comic came out every month and so i would need to draw like 20 to 25 pages uh, a month so um i started training myself at a young age and then uh the teenage years hit me and my friends were wrestling on the trampoline you know because you know dx was on tv or whatever mm-hmm. Shawn michaels bret hart you know all that stuff so um and then I, I met a guy through one of my friends that was wrestling on the trampoline with me it was his best friend and and he he wanted to be a pro wrestler and it mm-hmm. was just, was never anything i ever thought about doing it was just something and how fun. old are you about this time? this is like 19 so it was 19. like okay yeah it was like right after high school it was okay. like senior year um and then the year after senior year like we really started wrestling a lot more on mm-hmm. there and it was like all safe stuff like we weren't using cheese graters or anything crazy it was like yeah. <laughs> i was writing the matches for my friends and we would put them on oh so even then you're already writing stuff yeah 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 and i'm just like just by nature i'm a storyteller so like mm-hmm. i was like okay so this is how you know so I'll, I'll i'll write the matches down and then we'll we'll put them on and then we'll record them and then we'll go inside and we'll watch them like that's <laughs> that's what we did and um it's funny because after i started training 
um, I went back and I still had the matches written down and I read them and I'm like, oh my God, I like new psychology and I didn't know that I knew psychology. <laughs> I was like all the, the process of matches, like there's a basic psychology to matches mm-hmm. um, that, that I was taught. And I, from what I know, not all wrestling schools teach this, but I think maybe oh, now but, they do. But. Yeah, but I mean, please break that down because your average internet wrestling fan nowadays, they'll look at something be, and see like a common criticism is like, oh, there's no psychology in this match. Yeah. Can you kind of break down what so that like means? So the, like the basic, the basic idea, um, and this isn't like a... It's not always a hard and fast rule, especially when you get characters established. But the idea of a wrestling match is if uh, you had people that came in the building and knew nothing about either one of the people wrestling, Mm -hmm. um, in the first minute of the match, you will know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is, who the heel and the face are. And then through those actions, the the baby face will uh, get his shine. So he'll be on top. He'll be dominating you know the mm-hmm. bad guy and then uh sub- subsequently uh he'll get cut off and then the heel takes over and he dominates the majority of the match because you want to give the hero something to fight for mm-hmm. and then that's that's the body of the story and then you get your essentially you get your false finishes you know you're back and forth who's going to win who's going to win and then you get your finish mm-hmm. you know and there's just like little things in the matches too that that we're taught to do and and um yeah so that's essentially the breakdown of a match so yeah but i was going back and reading all of those matches and i'm like oh crap i actually actually knew what i was doing you know (laughs) before i officially knew what i was doing so that was pretty cool yeah there's all these little flourishes you can do during a match that kind of make things your own like um Mm -hmm. even from like the way you throw this kick or this elbow and like uh your your facial expression and uh, i I think that kind of contributes to what people are talking about right when you're saying psychologies yeah um yeah it's definitely it's like the match has to make sense like what Mm -hmm. makes sense in a match and and you know what i laid out was like the basic psychology of a match Mm -hmm. but that's just like it's the start of it. Like yeah. eventually you should grow, not grow out of it, but you should learn that you can change it. Like you don't always have to do it that way, especially if you have a pre-established story with someone. So if you have a continuing story with someone, you don't need to do all those steps because a lot of those steps have already been done. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're an established character, you're wrestling the same show, um, you know, like PWG, for instance, like whoever's going to PWG knows PWG for yeah. the most part. So they'll know like when I went back, back when I was wrestling, I was wrestling like Sky, Scorpio Sky, for instance, we had a, a good feud. And then so after by our, you know, second our first singles match, they already knew what was up. Mm-hmm. But then the second, you know, things really started going and it was just like, all right, well, I'm starting him off, starting the match off by hitting him with the chair, like as soon as he comes out or something, you know? So, <laughs> so you're like, you, you mess with the psychology of the match because you don't always have to start from the beginning. We're not at mm-hmm. chapter one anymore. We're at chapter five or six. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, I had that kind of experience when, um, I kind of went to my first indie show not too long ago. It was like end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Okay. Went to a Joey Ryan's uh, bar wrestling. Okay. And uh, that was my first indie experience. I heard it was, it was a fun show. It is a, it's a really fun show. And I've been going back as much as I can here and there. And uh, it, it's kind of what you were talking about. You, it, all the little things that you may, you actually might miss it on TV and I think about it. But when you're there and you're seeing all the little things that go into it, I didn't need to know who this person was beforehand. Yeah. I was able to like go in and they were able to tell the story 
right then and there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a lot of fun for um, someone like me who's fallen in and out of love with wrestling quite a few times. Right. right. Um, and seeing that story, uh, seeing the different stories told there. So a uh, bar for if whoever's like listening, uh, bar is a small inter- indie promotion started by Joey Ryan, who actually, if I'm not mistaken, help you start pwg yeah he was one of the founders uh we're actually tag partners we we trained together at upw he wasn't trained there initially Uh but he continued his training at upw um and then we became tag partners because both of our tag partners ended up quitting so yeah so we kind of got put together we we were in uh excuse me we were in two established tag teams and um his tag partner ended up getting hurt and then my partner he was having like i think I think he got hurt, but then he he got healed up, but then he had car problems and then financial problems. Mm-hmm. And so he just never came back. And it was like, for me, it was bizarre because he was, he was really good and he uh-huh. was really into it. And he was the one that talked me into it in the first place. So it was kind of weird that he was gone. And um, since we were in established tag teams my tag team was really over we were the lost boys mm-hmm. and um so they st- oh that's where you got the name uh, uh yeah yeah right, it's right. kind of funny because um we're trying to think of names like the hardy boys was super popular at the mm-hmm. time and uh you know the hardy boys it was like um from like there was a book right the hardy boys mm-hmm. and then so i was like oh that's kind of cool you know like oh what about the lost boys it's like and uh, everyone's like okay. oh like the movie the vampires i'm all no no like peter pan like <laughs> that's like my favorite my favorite disney movie like it's really cool it's a bunch of these you know kids that never wanted to grow up or never you know like didn't have parents or whatever like these kind of like throwaway kids i was like that would be kind of cool we can kind of have like a goth gothy gimmick like we mm-hmm. had cut off shorts and like cut off sleeve shirts and stuff and that was that was our wrestling gear for a while <laughs> <laughs> and um so but everyone thought it was like the vampire lost boys um ah. yeah so i thought of that and he liked it he thought it was a cool idea and so we're just picking them piggybacking off of the hardy boys a little bit and um i couldn't i was just like i was like so yeah scott lost like that's that's like that sounds cool mm-hmm. and he goes he goes oh yeah, i want to be uh, ryan rufio <laughs> and, I, and, I, and i was like oh man that's dope and i'm like yeah but i'm like but if I'm Scott Lost, then it me- makes it seem like it's my team because we're the Lost Boys. He goes, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, cool. You know, he was a stoner. He was super chill about everything. He didn't care. Sounds like a team player. Yeah, really? man, he was super cool. He was yeah, a huge stoner. He had um, his finisher was a, he would do this giant moonsault off the top. It was mm-hmm. like, he just kept going up. He would just shoot upward and then just come down, boom. And he was he was pretty light. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he called it the, the roach clip. <laughs> and so... <laughs> yeah i love that dude i was just i was so bummed when he stopped it was like dude we have such a good thing going you know we were we were kind of when we first started we were a hot tag team like Mm -hmm. right away our first match our first well our first big match and this is all in upw all upw yeah um and are you familiar with upw at all i i know of it i haven't seen anything so um for people listening upw is where like john cena trained and uh victoria Um, a few other people came from there. Yeah, so it'd be called Ultimate University was the the training ground was Ultimate University, but it's UPW essentially. So they would have these big shows, the Galaxy, the Galaxy mm-hmm. shows, and then every week they were called the Light Shows. So the Light Shows were just um, I think it was Saturday night. I can't remember. I believe it was Saturday night, Friday or Friday or Saturday. I can't remember. But essentially, it was like we would train all day, and if you wanted to stay for the Light Show, you'd be in a match. Okay, so. Um, 
uh, of course, like after a while, after we were, there was a certain period, like you weren't allowed to do it if you were still a student, but me and my partner, we were the best in our class essentially. So like we developed very fast. We started wrestling, uh, after between like four and six months after we started training, mm. which is really quick. Like usually they want you to train for a year. So, um, yeah, so we started doing the light shows. Our first match was against John Heidenreich and, uh, Nathan Jones. Oh, whoa. Yeah, they're a tag team. They're gigantic, yeah, too. They're massive dudes. <laughs> and we beat them. And uh, we were both small dudes. <laughs> and awesome. Yeah, it was rad because they were beating us down the entire match. Mm-hmm. And it was like a classic, you know, David and Goliath mm-hmm. situation. It was like we were getting killed the entire time. We'd try to do something. They'd swat us away like flies. Yeah. And then at the end, um, we just hit them with the, like, we caught them off guard. They screwed up and we capitalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hit. Um, uh, something happened. We bumped one of them. I think it was Nathan Jones. And so he was essentially on his knee and knees. And I used to do this. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of fun. It's like I would run and I would kind of do the, like the reverse mist or, or you're like a new fan. Or did you watch the old school WWF stuff? I watched, uh, just watch Mr. Breakdown. Perfect. So I, uh, nineties all into it. Okay. And then a little bit after the Monday night wars ended, Kind of okay. fell out, and then Any I 80s saw stuff. Did you watch Mr. Perfect? I am aware of Mr. Perfect. Okay, so. he used to do this yeah. thing. It was like he would, um, um, if you were sitting on your butt, he would like go from the corner and then jump over you, but grab the back of your head to kind of like make you neck snap forward. Oh no! Okay, I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. so so he used to do that, but I would I would do that, but I would turn it into a diamond cutter. I would just do a front oh. flip over him into a diamond cutter. Mm-hmm. And then, so somehow we bumped Nathan Jones, and I just, uh, <laughs> I did, so we got him on his knee. And so as he's coming up, I did the front flip over into the diamond cutter, and that laid him perfectly for my uh, tag partner's uh, roach, roach clip. And then, <laughs> so we got the one, two, three, and then he kicks out, and then we roll the hell out of the ring and get out of there. So it was like a huge upset because they were obviously monsters yeah. and they were dominating uh, the galaxy, which was their their monthly show. Yeah. So that was our first match, and that was pretty cool. That's funny, even just you two, you both teams appearing in the ring that already starts to tell the story yeah the visual right away (laughs) yeah you already get who's who's the 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 heel in the face yeah and um yeah so that was our first tag match ever and then we wrestled the light shows for a while um and then our first tag match on the galaxy was against the um oh shoot what uh the thriller from manila and it was a b-boy um so they call him Blazing Benny Chong mm-hmm. and then uh, Funky Billy Kim, who, mm-hmm. who turned out later to be one of my tag partners as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so our first big show match was against them, and we tore the house down. It was, like, crazy. And then so after that, we kind of became local internet darlings. And then we started getting booked everywhere um, after that. So how long between you starting to developing PWG, how much time... Is that PWG? Shoot, I can't remember what year we started PWG. Um, I think PWG might have been two thousand four. Uh, Wait, I retired in I retired in two thousand ten. Okay, and that was PWG seven. So okay. yeah, so two thousand three. Two thousand three. Okay. Yeah, so maybe late late to mid july i think june june or july of 2003 is when we started pwg okay. and then i i started wrestling matches in 2000, in 2000. so three years okay yeah. wow that's yeah, from being you know starting matches to having your own promotion that's pretty crazy yeah well what, what, what led to the six of you meeting and then we just want to we just want to work more 
Okay. Like we started running out of places to work um, locally. Mm-hmm. Um, California is such a big state. Yeah. And there were so many wrestlers um, and a lot of, so like these little promotions, they would start popping up and they just start dying. Like yeah. they would just last for a few shows and then they just weren't making enough money or whatever the case. And then so they like, would go away. So like 2003, that's post Monday night war kind of right. Yeah. yeah the height of years, the height after. was 98, 99. Yeah. And then 2000 was like when the Hardy boys were really popular, they were doing those mm-hmm. crazy ladder matches with Edge and Christian. And then, um, like by 2002 it was dead. Yeah. So yeah. like, this is kind of the start of like kind of a, Kind of a fascinating era for me, only because it seemed like a lot of other podcasts and YouTube channels don't seem to cover it as much. It's when it was pretty much just seemed to be WWE as the public face of everything, and yeah. you didn't really hear of any other major competition. You maybe TNA a little bit, but uh, for the most part, it was just them. And um, it feels like, again, not a lot of people are talking about it, but like PWG, especially when you look at it now... Mm-hmm. Seems to be like this was this ended up being a very important thing, especially now since it. Well, to be honest, it kind of led to formation of AEW. Now, if you yeah. look at the Young Bucks, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah no, no. Uh, I have the unfortunate um, uh, uh, distinction that my my wrestling career took place in the dead times of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, like, but arguably one of the most important. Like, if it wasn't right. for that period, right. we wouldn't have this. Again, we're recording this at the end Resurgence, of... Resurgence, yeah. Yeah, of, like, uh, yeah, pro yeah, AEW's debut, NXT's, the Wednesday Night War, SmackDown's tonight, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just one of those things, like, like my it's kind of sucks because my favorite guy um, was Bret Hart growing up, and mm-hmm. he was the world champ during the down years. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that's very fitting that my... <laughs> <laughs> my wrestling tenure oh, no. was during the down year and his as was his and his his wrestling career was the most important wrestling career to me mm-hmm. so it's like oh well that's fun oh that's why you're using the <laughs> sharpshooter in your sharpshooter i was yeah. a professional a professional is just another name for hitman oh okay yeah i used to love watching bret hard work yeah, yeah yeah he's my favorite guy and um even when he was in the heart foundation uh really early on mm-hmm. and i didn't know why it's like I liked the Ultimate Warrior because he's insane. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this guy's crazy, and you know, Hulk Hogan because he was the champ. But Bret Hart, I loved Bret Hart too, and I was like, I don't know why, but I really like this guy. I like watching this guy wrestle, it was, it was and I some, couldn't uh, figure it out. Yeah, there's so something young. about him being like a pro. He didn't like need to be so over the top. To, like, yeah, prove to you he was a badass. He's just so you know? f- yes, yeah, yeah. 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 He's just so efficient, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> maybe it's the Asian side of me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He does his job very well. Look how he, is. <laughs> he just comes in and does the work. That's what's important. That's what he should be. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone should do that. Um, you know, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just, I loved him and I thought he was great. And, and then you just out of nowhere, you know, like years later, he's the champ. And I'm like, this is crazy. I yeah. like that guy. You know, it's such a hipster thing to think because I like that guy. For everybody like that guy, you know? Exactly. Um, so yeah yeah so but you know getting back to pwg like it was it was very important and it was just kind of it's funny that it came about uh like roh was already a big deal okay and um that's pretty much it i don't they, think they were TNA, more like east coast, yeah east coast so yeah, PWG yeah. Was out here so i think our first couple of years that's pretty much how people described us they're like mm-hmm. oh they're like the west coast roh okay and then after a while it's like 
we're, we're PWG. Like mm-hmm. you're not like us. We're not like you, you know, we do our own thing and it's, it's, um, you know, it was awesome. It was great. Like we just had a different, different vibe. We had a fun vibe because mm-hmm. it was just a bunch of the boys that, that own the promotion, just, you know, putting it together. And um, it was just kind yeah. of the, and the six of you had all just kind of met like just randomly throughout. We were, it was kind of like, um, you know, like the internet was around. So we were just, you know, do all like AOL messenger was big at the time. That's how long oh, ago rest this in was. peace. Aim. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> yeah. So we would be in those chats and stuff. And then, um, yeah, one of the times like me and Joey were real tight. Like, cause mm-hmm. we were, you know, we were thrown together as a tag team, but we actually, uh, we're like, Oh, it's all right. You know? And, and then, so we ended up like, you know, hanging out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, we were really close. Um, and then we were really close with a lot of the, the UPW guys, like the original UPW guys, like, um, like super bad. Like mm-hmm. I'm still close with him. Um, and so, you know, we would, I don't know, kind of bullshit all the time. And, and mm-hmm. Joey was like, Hey, um, you remember that idea you had about like putting a fed together? Cause at the time, uh, hop back a little bit when I was saying all these little small feds were dying, a lot of yeah. them were renting out uh, the marketplace. I don't know if you're familiar with, no, not. okay. So the SoCal scene in during the nine or the, the, the aughts, um, had this old Lucha marketplace. It was like near, uh, attached. It was like in the back of a flea market essentially. Okay. And, um, so it was just a space, an outdoor space where Lucha shows would run WPW. Mm-hmm. And that was the main show. The guy Martin used to run it. Oh, I actually had the, the Lucha homies on, uh, and, uh, El Mario Chiloco and Little Cholo. They, they would talk oh, about Oh, Cholo. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cholo's one of my buddies. Yeah. Oh, me and, okay. Yeah, <laughs> me and him. Well, he's been wrestling since he, like, came out of the womb, but. Yeah, um, he said he was, was, like, 21 years, and he's still going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been going a long time. Yeah. Shout out to Cholo, by the way, yeah. in case you're listening. Yeah, I love that dude. <laughs> Um, we have our own special handshake. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. It's like we actually had. Um, there were a few of us that had our own special handshakes before that was a thing in the NBA, like <laughs> like, like legitimate. I was just like, oh, that's kind of crazy. Like we we've had those things for a while, you know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So we would rent. People would rent the marketplace out. Mm-hmm. So WPW would run on Sundays, mm-hmm. but they would rent it out Friday or Saturday night, and. Friday or Saturday, whatever time of day. And so you could rent it for X amount of dollars. So all these little feds would do it for a couple of shows. They'd die off. I see. And I was like, hey, like we're running out of shows. Maybe maybe we can run a fed. And like I kind of had the idea where, you know, it was like, well, this guy's pretty good. He's like a, you know, mid to low card guy, but mm-hmm. he's really good. And, mm-hmm. you know, he can be on there and whatever. And so my idea was to propose that, hey, if you work for the fed, I don't have a set amount to pay you but whatever draw we get like we will all divide it equally there won't be one person that gets more money so in my mind i'm like everyone want to do this because this is cool Mm -hmm. and nothing ever came of it i just i don't know i thought of the idea i got a few people that want to do it and then just kind of nothing ever came of it but uh joey brought it up and he goes uh we actually want to do it but not at the marketplace. So I was like, Oh, okay. okay. And then, um, and then he said, who else was interested in doing it? And then, so we all kind of threw, uh, I can't remember three to 500 bucks, um, you know, in the pot to, mm-hmm. to put down on the first show. And then that's how PWG started. Wow. Yeah. And it's again, just amazing to hear that considering how popular it is. It kind of starts with just 
you wanted to do it and yeah. you guys just kind of made it happen mm-hmm. and you know there are a lot of stories like that in wrestling especially with uh, again aew now so you could argue it started with this because sort of people like the young bucks got their start and actually just caught the highlights of your match with them i want to say it was their debut at pwg okay so with me and bosch then yeah uh, arrogance yeah 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 Yeah, no i remember Uh, um yeah and then things kind of started from their from their vlog on youtube and yeah no you know the funny thing is um a lot of the the shows that would run at the marketplace it Mm -hmm. was usually backyard feds there was a couple of backyard kids Uh that would do it and um sometimes we'd go to the show just to kind of like screw with them it was uh, look, looking back <laughs> looking back it was an awful thing to do right right um but i i get like the stigma that creates the backyard stuff yes created I because remember they're that. not trained yeah. they don't know what they're doing they could get hurt or whatever exactly and like granted i said i used to do backyard wrestling but it was on a trampoline no one was getting hurt on a right. trampoline you know and um like you have to learn to bump you know mm-hmm. like that's number one and, and on trampoline you don't need to because it's a trampoline yeah but uh, anyway uh even back then though the bucks were I actually met Sky um, and his old partner Quicksilver. They were backyard wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And then, but they got Wait, training. Sky was a backyard yeah, wrestler. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he got training uh, very quickly. Right. Um, after that, he was started. And we actually liked him, though, like, because a few of the mm-hmm. UPW guys would be over there. We watched him, we're like, hey, these guys aren't actually that bad, you know? Yeah. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, they ended up uh, training at Rev Pro. Okay. And then uh, the Bucks were there. And then their youngest brother, Malachi, was also, they would wrestle matches against each other. And they were super duper young. And Mal was like a baby. He was like <laughs> 11 or something. And he was badass. I was like, whoa, that kid might be the best out of the three of those guys. <laughs> like, and they were, and they were all pretty good. I was like, oh, these guys are legit. So even, even before they had training, they, they were really good. Um, but then I guess I guess the Bucks uh, they took a couple of classes over at Rev Pro to kind of learn how to do things correctly, mm-hmm. and then I don't know that they continued. They just kind of went in there and got what they needed, right? And then they, you know, they were out or whatever because they, you know, they're very athletic, mm-hmm. you know, as you can see by their matches. So, yeah. Yeah. and with with your career, so back to you were a lost boy mm-hmm. within the tag team. So what yeah. uh, your your own story or gimmick like what turns did it take once um you were partnered with joey um eventually we kind of like we we um that beer's legit no <laughs> yeah yeah man I, I i have the mad burp so on the beer. um joey so we we joey got in really good shape so he didn't want to wear that gear anymore so it was kind mm-hmm. of like he's like okay so he graduated out of the shirt and then he you know was just doing the sh- the the cutoff shorts or whatever and then he mm-hmm. wanted to switch to trunks and then so eventually i had to switch to i had to start getting in shape because i was still in crap <laughs> shape and then um uh so uh, i eventually uh started wearing the singlet so mm-hmm. and, it, and we got away so once joey like I, I, do we even have i think there might even been a period where we didn't have a tag name like i don't think we were the lost boys anymore i think we just started going by joey ryan and scott lost which i thought was super weird um, since we were kind of established as the Lost Boys for a bit, mm-hmm. but then shortly after that, that's when we got started getting matching gear, and this is right around PWG days. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like like we talked about earlier, from 2000 to 2003, that's we were already by the day PWG started, we were already the X Foundation. Okay, so that was our that was our babyface tag name was the X okay. Foundation, and um, 
so by then we were already had matching tag gear so yeah it was just kind of a trend it's just like you kind of grow out of certain characters and right you know i wasn't that character and neither was joey yeah because i think a lot of people including myself are always curious like how that forms was it like somebody like here you're this now or does it just sort of that, yeah that's what happened yeah. to joey <laughs> joey you're a lost boy now so that that's kind of <laughs> what happened to him um but no you know on the indies you're you're able to change your gimmick a lot mm-hmm. um certain feds like i think um i don't, I don't know I don't know how and I'm not in tune with what AEW exactly is doing. Like mm-hmm. I know Peter Avalon, he was pretty Peter Al- Avalon forever. Yep, he was um, uh, he was tagged with uh, Ray Ray Rosas. Rosas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so he switched from pretty Peter Avalon, and he actually texted me and he said, "Is it okay if I use the professional?" Because I was it was my moniker, mm-hmm. and like. You know, I didn't train him specifically, but I was I trained him a couple of classes or whatever. Sky mm-hmm. was his yeah. main instructor. And um but I was like, dude, of course, you know, he's just like it's just super respectful. And I and I've known him ever since he first started. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was just like, hey, of course, I'm not using it anymore, you know, you yeah. use it. And then just like professional courtesy. Yeah. yeah. So it was like uh, yeah. A very professional thing for him to do, so he gets to use the name professional. But then now he's—is he the librarian? Is that I'm what not it is? I'm not sure don't... what they're gonna do with it. It, okay. it seems like he's the librarian still, but it's also like it oddly enough kind of turned the corner the last time I saw it. Okay, so like people so, were kind of like, "What is this?" And then it—they somehow got it over. Kind of okay. Yeah, it's kind of turning. He's a new really way. good. So, but yeah, but at the same good. time, I I don't know who made that call. Yeah. I don't know who made the call for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know NWA from Hollywood, and I think it's I think it's just Hollywood now mm-hmm. wrestling from Hollywood, or I don't I don't know. Um, like I know they wanted certain guys to have more of a gimmick. Like when I, I worked for them for a few times, and they didn't want me to be the professional Scott Lost for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They kind of wanted me to have some kind of gimmick, and then I was like, oh, I can. I can be the professional Scott Law still, but I, I want to do kind of like this, like Fast and the Furious was really popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, I can do like the Tokyo Drift thing, like where I have like uh, like a racer jacket on and stuff. And right. like my character will just be like the fastest man in wrestling or whatever. You know, that was the gimmick. <laughs> but And then so they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And then I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I can run circles around people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or just like I'll have parts where I'm just kind of flying or whatever. But then I had a knee injury around the same time. Oh, so it kind of course didn't work did, out. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, this is not going to work. But um, so I just wrestle my normal matches and it get over because mm-hmm. it's like I knew what I was doing in there. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, sometimes feds, they have this, this idea of what they want you to be and Mm-hmm. you know or they want you to change it up and so certain places they'll for sure just let you do your thing but other places like i'm sure wwe um they oh yeah they yeah definitely. they're gonna assign you something or they see that you do something well and kind of nudge you in that direction so yeah i also think it um again a lot of internet wrestling fans like to talk shit on this fed or that fed but it's it, it just seems to be the the type of work here you are i, I think some people need uh, a creative outlet yeah and then some people are just fine with like yeah just tell me to do this and i'll do it yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. um i've always been uh able to just do stuff on my own like mm-hmm. i don't need anyone telling me uh how to do certain things like once once you teach me how to how to do something i got it mm-hmm. um so and then it's just kind of like all right, well, 
I, I kind of had the need to always put the matches together. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a spaz that way, like um, like a ring general. Like yeah. I was always a ring general because I, I always liked to know what was going on. And then so a lot of the times I'd be the ones putting the matches together. That okay. was just that was just what I did. Like right. everyone knew. It was just like, oh, okay. Oh, I've always been curious about this and, you know, you have to tell me every little secret, but like, yeah. how much planning goes into your average match? Are you going? It, it like, depends. We're gonna go here and then here and then jump over that, or it depends who's working. Okay, um, who it is. Like, I like to have a lot of. I had. A, I like to have a lot of stuff laid out. Like, I you're, like to know everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, some guys like to to wing stuff a little more. Mm-hmm. Like Brian Danielson, like he likes to wing stuff a lot. Oh wow! What yeah, yeah. He likes he he likes to lay some of the structure out, but a lot of stuff is just going off of feel. Um, and that's something I didn't do enough. I that's the one thing I wish I did a little more was go off feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what I did, I did well. So I was you know I wasn't worried about it. Mm. And then um, when did it feel like PWG was really starting? Uh, starting to roll during Um, your time i want to say the last two years i was there so that was 20 uh, like 2010 for sure it was rolling and then maybe 2008 is when it started really rolling Mm -hmm. Um, but i think we did our first european tour in 2005 so maybe two years i mean how did yeah i'm that that's pretty amazing to me because you feel like that's you were rolling 2008, but if you got like a an international tour going, that's yeah. that's got to be a good sign, right? Well, we yeah. Um, so Super Dragon, you know, uh, mm-hmm. had was already over; had already been popular, and and a few of our guys that were using at PWG regularly were over. Like AJ AJ Styles mm-hmm. was one of our uh, he's our first champion, or no, Frankie I think was our first champion. I can't remember one of those two dudes, but. Um, AJ was really popular. Super Dragon was really popular. And so they kind of, they had been obviously um, taking taking dates and bookings, mm-hmm. you know, overseas. So then people that those guys knew, that Super Dragon knew or whoever else, um, like, they were like, hey, we want to, um, I'm trying to think, I think there was a, f- a couple of feds out there that wanted to co-promote the show with us. Like they uh, would pay okay. for the venue or something like that. I don't know the nuts and bolts of it. I, I was never part of the money team. Like mm-hmm. that was just like, you guys figure that shit out. Like that's right. You know? Um, but essentially I think they were taking care of the venues and then, um, I think they were doing partial tickets for some of us and, um, something like that. Okay. So, so, so it was this like, is in the, what, the UK or like, where is this? Uh, we wrestled in London, Germany. Was it just those two places? We might've just wrestled in London and Germany. Okay. That's, I think that, that's yeah. curious to think about like, especially now you see the UK scene over there. It's, it's huge right now. Okay. But, um, yeah, I was wondering like, what are those markets like back when you were still building the brand? They were they were pretty hot actually. The venue wow. or the venues that we wrestled in, the the fans were really hot for us. They had they had their own guys. Um, Jody Fleisch was was one of the dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there was a couple other guys. Uh, shoot, my brain. <laughs> uh, damn CTE and beer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there was there was they kind of had their dudes. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, so we wrestled a lot of their guys. That was right. part of the deal was, like, we'd wrestle their guys who were out there, which was cool for us. Mm-hmm. It was, like, cool. We like wrestling other guys. Like, we wrestle these guys that we came with all the time. Like, yeah. you know, so we got to wrestle some international dudes. So that was cool. 
and uh and you're in your early 20s at this point yeah this must be like yeah, 20, 24, 25. Yeah. yeah. And you're from around here originally? I'm born and raised in San Diego. Born and yeah. raised in San Diego. So, like, had you done a lot of traveling before that growing up? or um, Just to the Philippines when so, I was young. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not same, really. Same for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was it. So, um, yeah, I didn't do a lot of traveling. Vegas. We would drive to Vegas. Right. But, <laughs> you know, I... I but, uh, yeah, yeah, no international. You're a young guy. You're, this is opening up so much for Oh, you. for sure. It yeah. was super cool. You know, I had been to... I think I'd wrestled in Mexico at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. No, for sure I had wrestled in Mexico by this point. Um, but then I'm trying to think of the year that me and Sky went to Japan. Me and Sky were in Osaka for a month. We wrestled oh, wow. in uh, Osaka Pro. And I'm trying to remember what year that is. My memory's shit. Um, let's see. I was tagging with Bosch when we were in Europe. So I... 2003 so 2003 i was in mexico and then japan yes oh wow so even relatively early in your career yeah yeah yeah. we were we you know me and my like i was saying me and my tag partner were hot right away 2000 we were already like local internet darlings and so um we were just like kind of the dudes on the scene for a Mm -hmm. while i didn't even ask you who, who who were your trainers uh tom howard samoa joe Oh wow! <laughs> uh, Damien Steele for for a minute. Mm-hmm. He was my first. Damien Steele was my first. The real deal. Damien Steele. He was a UPW mm-hmm. guy. I think he might have done some kind of hardcore fed prior to that too. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, mostly Tom Howard and then Samoa Joe would be there a lot. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he was he was trained like he was already trained. He was yeah. I think he was their champ already. But uh, he you know Joe was a, a workhorse. He would always be in their yeah, training. That's crazy. He's still he's still doing it today. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I gotta ask again, and, and this is more to like you know show people like well, this is what it's actually like when you get into it. Like what yeah. what what's the f- do you remember your first day training? Like what is that like? First day, what were we doing? First day might have been roll. Well, if, yeah, it wasn't running the ropes. It was probably rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was rolls. Okay. So, um, you don't bump right away. Were like, you like an athletic kid before then? Um, I don't know. Not really. I, okay. I get. I don't know. I think I'm. I was somewhat athletic. It was like I was a kid that never played sports but was athletic. Okay. So it was like I was chunky, um, and but I was coordinated, you yeah. know, like if we went and played basketball, I would be okay. Yeah. You know, or if we play baseball, I would be okay. Football. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I never played actual sports, like organized sports or anything. Got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So like that first day, is it, uh, um, well, how about this? Let's uh, talk me through the process of like learning how to bump because mm-hmm. that seems again for new fans coming in for internet wrestling fans coming in, like, do they, understand like what that takes and like how essential it is like what's what goes into learning how to bump well it's it's painful (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) for sure a lot of people don't realize how painful it is so that's Mm -hmm. the interesting part and and i don't think anyone would really understand how painful it is unless you did it yeah because everyone sees like oh you're you're bouncing in the ring yeah exactly no like oh there's a giant spring under there it's like oh there is a spring under there but it's like what you're landing on is is wood. Yeah. You know, you're landing on wood still. Um, I remember 
I remember uh, learning to, but it is a whole process. I think they like they tell you to get on your back. If, if I remember this correctly, this is, this is almost 20 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like lay on your back and then like put your hands up to the sky and then swing them down, palms down against the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So they want you, so they like do that X amount of times or like whatever, 10, 20 times. And they're like, see how that feels. And they're like, all right, now sit up and then go to your, like, and I think they made you do that for a while, but then eventually they would, show you like like sitting on your butt like swinging your body backwards tucking your chin and then smacking your arms out and you would have to get that down first before they would teach you how to stand and bump and like there was like it was like a process and um i remember after we got the hang of it and then they started showing you how to run ropes and this this is over multiple weeks Mm -hmm. um because you'd really need to get the rolls down. You yeah. need your fundamentals. It's all about the fundamentals. And um, so you get your rolls down or whatever, and then eventually they would have you run the ropes. Um, and then it's like, I think maybe like run the ropes and then like bump or something, something like that. And then like one guy, he had been training a while and I didn't know he was training a while. Mm-hmm. He had already, he's one of my buddies, but he had trained previously. He didn't tell anyone though. And I was like, man, this guy's pretty good. I was like, I think me and my partner are better or, because we already we were already talking about tagging at that point. Mm-hmm. I was like, me, I think me and my partner are better, but he just does everything pretty well. And so he had like ran the ropes and he slid out of the ring. And I'm all, whoa, that was cool. Like, because <laughs> we're all beginners. And I was like, whoa, he did something that like none of us could do or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then so I wanted to be cool too. And I tried it and I cracked my skull on the back of the ring uh, when I tried to slide out. And I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm doing that shit again. So... Yeah. So so anyway, like it was it was a process. It's and it's tough, and you really weed out a lot of people. Yeah. Like it, this. This sounds like there's a good amount of like body conditioning too. Yeah. And for some of my regular listeners, like sometimes we talk MMA on the show too. Okay. So like when Muay Thai fighters kind of like kick like the yeah. tree and condition their condition shins, their shins. It sounds like you're doing sort of the same thing with other parts of your body. Absolutely. Here. Yeah. 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 You're. And then what th- what that's doing, uh, you slapping your hands uh, across or onto the mat, um, it's extending the shock, the impact from not only uh, from your back and distributes it throughout your arms. Mm-hmm. So you're not only taking the brunt of the impact on your back, it's distributing mm-hmm. through a lot of your body, half mm-hmm. of your body, essentially. Um, yeah, so my body was not conditioned to have my chin tucked like at all times. Like right. I was still new, relatively yeah. new. So when I tried that, my neck gave out and I whiplashed back and cracked my skull pretty good. Oh, oh my God. yeah. It's good times. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'll, I'll see some of the things guys pull off and I'm like, Jesus, like, yeah. you're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. After a while, it's like, yeah, it's second nature. Like you just, you're, you're not thinking about it. And, um, like I actually started learning other falls too because I started taking judo later on, mm-hmm. like like oh perfect yeah, yeah in two thousand six <laughs> to the yeah two thousand six I think right after we'd already done the European tour in Japan yeah I started doing judo, mm-hmm. um, and then so I kind of learned a new flip like it was like a side flip bump, and it's just like it wasn't a common wrestling bump but it was like for judo you'd have to learn how to fall when you're getting thrown yeah. And then, so I was like, oh, this is cool. I can use this in the ring. So, like, the latter half of my career, I was uh, doing judo throws, like, to people. And that's got to, like, further... One, it probably further adds to that professional gimmick. Yeah. Like, it just looks more convincing in the ring. Yeah, and it was tough training dudes to not... 
because there's like an assist, you know, thing that can happen uh, in certain things. Like when picking people up, it's like, you know, they have to get light or whatever. Um, I would have to tell them, do not jump for me. Do not get light. Do not. Oh. And I'm like, I need to throw your body. That's why judo throws look good because they're legitimate. It's right. like you whipping their body. If you jump, you're going to screw this throw up. It's not mm-hmm. going to look cool. Yeah. And um, so once in a while it would happen. Guys would try to jump. They'd fuck the throw up. And then uh, it just looks like. <laughs> yeah, that. it just looks sloppy and ugly. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, Scott fucked that up. It's like, no, he <laughs> fucked it up. I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> so <laughs> so at what point does uh, your arsenal get bigger because i've seen clips of you doing this crazy like elbow drop and like when do those more advanced moves start to come in yeah the so the first half of my career i was like i was like kind of like a i was like a a bret hart Shawn michaels clone like essentially my entire style was just like melding bret hart and Shawn michaels and trying to make it just be one thing yeah you got a good super kick thanks thank you (laughs) yeah and and i got it there like i like Mm -hmm. to think that i got it there the first few years i was figuring it out and by the end i did because i added more of a martial arts uh, element to it Mm -hmm. but where where i think the bret hart execution thing came into practice it was like my martial arts was was tight like the judo throws it's like oh those are legitimate throws like Mm -hmm. you know and i'm you know doing wrestling with with that the combination of those things and um it was just kind of like zigging when everyone else was zagging like starting Mm -hmm. to think out of the box and i've always had uh, a a mind that would generate new things all the time i would think about oh how can i do that but differently or like how how does that work what's interesting about Mm -hmm. that and i would take it apart and then i would put something else together and um so I was doing that all the way up until the end of my career. It still happens. It doesn't happen as much now, but it still happens. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be just like in the shower. I'm like, huh? Oh, that would have been cool. Like, and it's yeah, just like those, those too late now. Muscles are still there. They're still there. You know, yeah. you do it for for ten years. They're going to be there for a while. Um, but I'll just text some of the guys that are still working. I'm like, hey, try this out. See if this works. You know? <laughs> and uh, you can have it or whatever. Um, so I would say the the creative stuff really started kicking in after japan mm-hmm. so when we went to japan uh or no mexico city when we went to mexico city i started trying stuff out we went down there i went with the wpw guys down to mexico city to the torimon gym torimon was the the fed before it was called dragon gate oh okay yeah so torimon was ultimo dragons uh fed and then later on i think there's some yakuza involvement or something like that something happened uh, and then Dragon Gate happened. It became its own thing. Torimon died, but there was Torimon Mexico, and then mm-hmm. so we went to Mexico City for the the Torimon yeah. uh, uh, promotion there. And uh, so I tried. That's when I learned. I already knew how to do the butterfly kick. Okay. Because uh, um, I took Taekwondo for like two years, and then I took Judo for three years. Um, so the martial arts training that's all concurrent with the wrestling. The, the actually the taekwondo I learned when I was a kid. Oh, when you were a kid. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So judo was concurrent. It was uh, uh, when I was twenty six, like I think twenty five to maybe twenty seven. Mm-hmm. I was doing judo, and so that was when I was in the best shape of my life. It was like during the arrogance run. There was at okay. one point I was I was a cardio machine. I remember uh, a match with it was me and Bosch versus uh, B Boy and Dragon. And all, all uh, three of those dudes are known for terrible cardio. And so, <laughs> so I was the only one in the ring. Like, excuse me. There was, um, there was a spot in the match where 
all four of us would get bumped. Like we would bump each other with, with a big move or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I think I was the first one to bumps. No, no, no. I think I was the last one to bump someone, but I had the most energy after we were all down. I was like, time to get up guys. Let's get up. (laughs) And everyone was just like sucking wind so hard. And I was trying to pull their carcasses up and stuff. And cause like my cardio was insane. Cause I was doing judo and wrestling. Oh yeah. Yeah. So my, my cardio was nuts. It was the best shape of my life. Um, but then, yeah, I would say after that's when my arsenal really started um, solidifying if mm-hmm. anything because I there was just certain things like like the judo aspect really changed the way I th- thought about things and like right. uh, strangely enough Fit Finley Fit Finley came back into the WWE he was a I think he was just an agent for quite a while yeah I, I remember his run from WCW yeah and, he was WCW yeah. and then WWF bottom mm-hmm. and then uh, he was just an agent he just yeah. became an agent but then he came back and it was just like he was old man Finley, but he had he had like a stick or whatever, and he was just fucking people up. Like he was using the <laughs> ring. Like um, I remember he wrestled. I think it might have been like it was one of the younger guys, one of the faster guys, maybe Rey Mysterio or something. Who knows? But they tried to do a baseball slide out mm-hmm. out to him when he was outside the ring, and when they slid, he grabbed the ring skirt and pulled it up and they slid <laughs> into the ring skirt and they were trapped kind of in between the ring and the skirt and they couldn't move and he just starts fucking them up he starts like <laughs> lighting them up them all that was the best thing i'd ever seen i'm like what the hell and i was just like oh my god he like my brain opened up mm-hmm. and it was like it was like i leveled up like yeah. there was it was like I thought I learned everything that I needed to know but i didn't no. because he's using the ring in a way i never thought about using it right and so that was kind of the catalyst of of me doing other things like i do this um it was like a tie clench um like they would they would it was essentially like a baseball slide right mm-hmm. uh they would baseball slide out and i would just sidestep them and i would grab their feet and their ankles and i would spin their body so their face would be hanging over the rope so they would their head would be hanging oh, over gotcha. the rope okay. uh chest down right and then so i would tie clench them so they're they would be looking down for people at the tie clench it's like your palms are locked like behind the person behind head. their behind yeah. their skull um your forearms are wrapped around their neck essentially mm-hmm. and then so they would uh then grab my uh my biceps mm-hmm. and then so i would lift them high up and i would pull them chest down into the apron <laughs> so that was like um uh, a, a strike I started doing uh-huh. and then so I would just find interesting ways to get them into that yeah um, and then just like other things I started doing that and then I would do like a, a swinging pole drop kick like I would run um, on the ground I would grab the the pole and I would do kind of like kind of like a 619 situation okay but where I would swing around the pole and slide into the ring and kick them on the face while they're laying face down still. So like, I'm sure you could find that somewhere online. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but well, there was just I, a lot I, of stuff I, like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause I think a, a thing like that might be uncommon to your, your casual fan. Yeah. But it's like, you were already doing this in the early 2000s. Yeah. 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 There's tons of stuff that I was doing that um, it's funny. Cause I see a ton of it on TV now. Yeah. That like certain moves have become like almost normal. You're like, Oh, like yeah. that was the same thing I did back in the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, when, when TJ, when TJ was in uh, WWE, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of dudes doing my stuff in there and like, and not that I care, I'm done. It doesn't matter. Right, right. But I was just curious. I was like, I texted him. I said, Hey man, Hey, see if that guy 
watches my shit and he and tj's always said this to me ever ever since we were young we both started he started i think six months to a year before i did okay um he was he, he's like cholo like they started when they're babies like mm-hmm. i think he was 16 or something when he started and um he would always say scott there's nothing new under the sun he's he said that to me forever and he said it to me in the text too scott there's nothing new under the sun i'm like whatever man shut up just ask him <laughs> and he asked the dude um oh shoot i always forget his name yeah man crap i can't forget his i forget his name he does the, he does the big fat kill though okay um which is like a spin kick to a, the, a spinning hook kick to yeah, the face yeah. yeah um he also he's he's the guy that does the the that giant backbreaker thing uh it's like a pop-up backbreaker he does i forget it oh man he's really really good but he's he's done a couple of things so for one he does the big fat kill okay and i'm like okay i was like all right there's that but he's he did something and it and it was just it's the way i i do uh like a back elbow mm-hmm. and it's just my body moves a particular way and i and i did that intentionally because i was watching like just, one of those flourishes we were talking about right helps you tell yeah anyway yeah so it, exactly so it was like i started watching a lot of like I wanted to zig when everyone else was zagging. It's like, mm-hmm. there's such a cannibalism in pro wrestling. Like once something becomes popular, everyone starts stealing from each other. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, Oh, that guy does this. And now everybody does that, you oh, know, like it's the not destroyer, cool. like everyone. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, so I, I didn't like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, no one's creative. Like mm-hmm. no one's trying to figure out their own stuff. And like, I love figuring out my own. So there's so much things you can learn how to do or figure out Mm -hmm. how to do um so i hated it so i started watching other things like trying to get influences from anywhere else you know Mm -hmm. it's like the uh jeet kundo thing like you know take what's useful discard what's useless or whatever so i started watching like martial arts movies and then perfect reference for what you do yeah so i started watching uh like a ton of martial arts stuff and like ong bak was was dude i fucking love that movie that movie's (laughs) fucking rad i saw that like several times in the theaters holy crap i think i was in college at the time and uh once it came out on like i think we found like a bootleg copy of dvd in chinatown and we were just like dude we're watching this like every other night <laughs> yeah so he does this um he does this one strike where he kind of kind of like runs up the guy and he oh, does yeah. a double elbow to the top of their skull <laughs> and i was like i'm doing that yeah so i figured out a way how to do that in the ring mm-hmm. and it, it came off great and it became one of my my standard moves i would do it was like i wouldn't do it all the all the time i wanted it to be special right. when i did it and then so um i did in one match it was super super cool finish it was like uh you know whatever false finish false finish false finish uh, against colt cabana and then he does something i counter it he turns around i run up his leg and i you know do the double elbow to the top of the skull then i hit mm-hmm. him with a big fat kill like once he's on yeah. his knee so it was just like boom 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 and i was like it was such a hot finish it was like oh that was rad <laughs> Um, so, but it, it's stuff like that. That's, yeah. uh, that's when stuff really started clicking for me and it was all because of Fit Finley. Uh, wow. So and weird. E- even in his situation, that's again, the, um, I guess when you get further up in age, like he was, it's like, uh, he has different creative boundaries and he found a way to make things work for him in that sense. Yeah. Right. You know, he's not a young guy. He's not going to be running all over the place. He's yeah, got to he be like, can't do be, everything he used to. Yeah, exactly. So he's got to be like smarter about things, be a little bit more innovative. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a good example of like the kind of storytelling you see yeah. in, in wrestling. Right. Uh, 
Yeah, like I'd imagine Sky and Frankie and uh, Daniels, like they're they're being smarter about stuff. Like Sky, oh, sure, yeah. Sky was insane before. He was so agile, athletic, and I'm sure he still is. But we're not young men anymore. Yeah, so. he's not wrestling like he's 22 anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's working smarter. You know, you mm-hmm. work smarter, not harder. And um, so I'm sure he's you know doing that. And it's like you said, it's just time. You know, you just gotta. You're not in your prime anymore. You just gotta think of how this is gonna work better. Right, and you kind of have to like creatively evolve mm-hmm. in that sense you can't be just the same character doing the same five moves yeah every time because that, that one that could be bad for your health and then two it's like it keeps your character fresh yeah. you start adding things to your arsenal i was listening to um i can't remember where i heard it maybe might have been the rogan podcast oh. they were talking about uh i think rogan met hogan in person mm-hmm. and he goes he goes I thought this guy was like six seven or something, and uh, he was like six five. And and Hogan had said that from all the years of jumping up and landing on his butt doing the leg drop, it actually compressed his spine, so he oh, yeah. lost a couple of inches in height. That's kind of crazy, yeah, because it was such a shitty finisher. Yeah, <laughs> so when you like, look at it now, and you're like, um, like I, I think I even had that moment too in like the early. 2000s i'm just like wait that was his finisher you're like what yeah it's crazy it was crazy to me even as a kid but like you know you believe it you make Mm -hmm. but then at the same time when you see other guys do leg drops you're like how come they're not winning with the leg drop it was just kind of weird did a backflip into a leg drop yeah (laughs) yeah there's some ridiculous stuff that that's on tv these days i guess but yeah Yeah. um so let's get to um kind of your transition into comic books so like mm-hmm. you said you ended like 2010 2010 so yeah. what what kind of was it like a conscious decision to kind of wrap things up and then move on or what what uh what went on there well when i when i started wrestling my family wasn't about it um well, you're half, you're half Filipino, right? right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I get it, man. Yeah, raised, raised, I was just raised in a, a Filipino household. It's like My, you're just you're having yeah. success with the wrestling. It's like, are you sure this is working out? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so they they weren't about it, and I, was yeah. just, I I told them. And honestly, like, have you tried nursing? Yeah, right. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, what you call it? Uh, uh, engineer. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, of yeah there's the other the yeah. other one, the other profession, <laughs> or a mailman. Mailman. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you know, my mom was actually more understanding than, than you would think. My mom's Filipino, but she's okay. Americanized, you know, okay. I told her, okay. you know, she's also got the th- super thick accent, but she's a little more understanding. She's not as, right. she, when we were younger, she was super strict, especially with my sisters, mm-hmm. but I was the last one and, got it. you know, and a boy. So I more lenient. Um, but yeah, she was, she was kind of cool in the fact that I was like, look, mom, I'm going to do it just for 10 years and I'll still be young. And if nothing comes of it, then I'll do something else, you know, and it's like, I'll hold down a job the whole time. It mm-hmm. won't just be me wasting your money or whatever the case, you know, because yeah, like what early. So 2010, you're probably in like your late 20s, early 30s. Uh, I wrestled. I started at 20 or started at like 19 and a half, 20. OK. Yeah, and I finished perfect. at 30. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay. So the 10 years. Yeah. 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 Um, but in 2008 i was actually tired i was done like i wasn't mm. having fun anymore i was like this is that's that's a 
big sign. Yeah. yeah. And and the money wasn't good. Like like I said, I my career was in the down period of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So it was just like we're making a hundred bucks a match or whatever. It's just like that's not I'm gone the entire weekend, I'm making a hundred dollars, but it's taking me forty dollars of gas to get up here and yeah. go home. So I'm making sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, I'm eating out the whole time, we're kind of partying, so I'm not really making money. So um but you're having a good time because you're with your friends and you're doing what you love, right? Right. But it's like by 28, I was like, my friends were down here. Like mm-hmm. my wrestling friends were cool, but I had developed a nice group of local friends that I like right. missed hanging out with. And there were always parties I was missing because I was always booked. And, um, um, you know, I had my goddaughter. So I like spending a lot of time with her and I was missing, you know, a lot of that. So it was kind of like, I'm kind of done. And uh, I made a, a choice. I was just like, I think I'm going to quit soon. And, I kind of said, no, you know what? I, I said I would try it for 10 years. So let me mm-hmm. stick it out for another year and a half. Mm-hmm. And in that year and a half, like in that same process, I stopped caring about trying to have the best match on the card. I didn't want to have the best match on the card anymore. I just wanted to have fun right. because it became unfun. That's a totally understandable thing. And I, I think a lot of people don't quite understand that sentiment, especially like because you see it with like you and even maybe like professional athletes in other sports. Um, the second it stops being fun you got you got to get out yeah yeah and and it's like it's different if you're making a good paycheck off it but we weren't we weren't making good money Mm -hmm. and so it was just like especially in the socal scene there was the finances sucked like the east if you lived on the east coast you were actually making decent money oh um but but socal everyone was cheap as hell and uh so like for me i never understood for one why promoters were doing it i'm like how are you guys even making any money it's like you're paying us and then plus you have to buy the ring and or rent the ring the venue and whatever i'm like i don't understand how these feds are making any money right so so anyway uh in 2008 i was just like all right well i'm just gonna have fun for a year and a half and in that process i kind of fell in love with wrestling again but Mm. at the end i was like i i had a lot of fun but i think it's part of the reason was because i knew it was over i knew Mm -hmm. the end was coming and um plus i already said i told i told my family i'm a man of my word um i would stop at 30 so i'm gonna stop yeah. And, and, and I was, um, essentially I was in my prime when I stopped, like mm-hmm. my matches were getting, my matches were getting a lot of play. Like people were into my matches. Oh, wow. And so I left probably at my peak popularity. Yeah. Th- yeah. And, and any athlete enters like 30, like that's kind of your physical yeah, like the prime right there. Physical prime. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of varies too. It's like when you decide to actually start putting the work in, you know, like, like, in your youth, if you're trying, your physical prime is like 20, 26 to, to 28 is your like physical prime. Mm-hmm. But then for wrestling, it's kind of like, well, we're not putting, we're, we're putting a lot of damage on our bodies. No, no doubt. Of course. Yeah. But your, your prime can last all the way until like 32, like your mm-hmm. physical prime. You can still do a lot of the shit at 30 to 32 that you could at 26 to 28. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, it's like, like that song, <laughs> like that group, it degenerates. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah, it's all my, my knees, my knees were toast for forever. One of them, my right knee was jacked up. My left ankle was jacked up and, um, uh, but I could still move really well and, okay. and whatever it wasn't. So, but it wasn't like a, like a career ending no, injury or anything, no. you know, like a stinger or a broken leg or anything like that. Yeah. 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 I, I got really lucky in that sense, but I did roll my ankle so much. Um, I recently, I went to the doctor, maybe, maybe the beginning of this year and, um, like I had rolled my ankle a few times playing basketball. And, uh-huh. and so I was like, 
it wake I, when I wake up, it feels like I rolled my ankle and I didn't, I didn't roll my ankle, but it mm-hmm. feels like it. Every time I touch my feet to the floor, it, it hurts. And the doctor goes, Oh, he goes, you just lost a lot of mobility. He goes, I see that you've rolled your ankle a lot. I'm like, yeah, he goes, yeah, you've rolled your ankle so much. And, it, uh, he goes, all right. So a foot, you normally have all these tendons that run across the top of your foot from where your ankle is to the top of your foot. You have all these tendons that go across. And so when you push off of the ground, those tendons, they pull your foot back to level. You don't have those anymore. Those are gone. You don't have tendons. Jesus. Yeah. He goes, you have rolled your ankle so many times that those have all snapped and disintegrated. Mm. So you do not have those in your left ankle. That's why you roll your ankle a lot because when you jump off, your foot just kind of stays there because those tendons are gone and it doesn't pull it back to to start right and so you i have to consciously think about it if i want to pull my foot so once i jump i have to tell my foot hey we're about to land now yeah (laughs) you know like so um and that's that's a combination of wrestling and basketball oh my god yeah yeah so you have your retirement match with uh with scorpio sky yeah um and then about how long after that is the the comic book thing coming back into it was coming or, back. i mean was there like a was it a down period after you or were you pretty yeah, much yeah um, like- i stopped i stopped drawing pretty much altogether when i was wrestling okay yeah i was i was drawing my entire life until i started wrestling um, and then at one point in the middle of my wrestling career i actually drew uh, issue of the second shift that's that's one of my other comic book that i do mm-hmm. and so i drew an issue of that you know while i was at my day job in the middle i think i was like 25 when i drew it and after i drew it i was like oh i'm not a writer like this is a terrible story like <laughs> like i was like it's so basic and excuse me at one point um i don't know there's a bank robber and he's running away with the sack of money that has a dollar bill sign on it i'm mm-hmm. like this is terrible like well, i don't know what i just did right now but <laughs> um it's funny because i ended up meeting my writer through wrestling uh mr fantastic or not mr F- oh, wow he's gonna kill me sorry about that Ed. <laughs> mr mr fantastic was uh, um this other uh, he was a backyard kid when we met him okay and he actually became a wrestler uh, chris massey okay yeah yeah and um so uh yeah anyway he was he was uh mr fantastic was going anyway my my writer mr excitement um he he was in rev pro he was one of like the rev pro originals and um yeah to turns it like we just had a ton of stuff in common like you know mm-hmm. knew him through wrestling and um we would always talk about bruce lee and like sneakers lakers comic books right and it was like whoa we have all this stuff in common it was pretty cool and then like he was a writer turns out he was a writer and then so he would always send me stories and a lot of them would have to do with war and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i'm just like i'm not into that i'm not in the military stuff i'm not I so see. yeah but uh at some point like because he would always ask me to draw he's like hey you should probably you know draw one of my stories or whatever and uh as i was you know aging out of wrestling i was like hey man so uh i'm gonna give you what do you think about writing my characters and he goes yeah that sounds cool mm-hmm. and so i kind of gave them little bios on them like who they were what their aspirations were what their character like what their personalities were like all those things and i was like do me a favor like uh, put them in a diner having a conversation okay and let me just see what that looks like with you and um he did and i was like holy shit 
And because in my head, I knew what they all sounded like. Mm -hmm. And he just gave me a story of my characters that I had never read before. And that blew my mind. It was like, I know all these people and I don't even, I didn't know that this event happened and you just wrote it (laughs) and it sure as shit happened, you know? So, so it kind of blew my mind and I was like, dude, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think the last, I think the last year we were kind of putting my, my last wrestling year, we were Mm -hmm. kind of putting it together and figuring out what we wanted to do and like the skeleton of the story and everything like that. And then, so I think about a year after year and a half after I stopped, um, was when the first issue came out. I did a Kickstarter for it and, and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, um, what what you're saying is like, I, I think that's why stories like yours are kind of important for like wrestlers to hear because um you may make it big and end up in one of the big feds and like make a ton of money but sometimes you may just uh decide to stop or yeah. maybe you're injured and have to stop right and, like it's it's good to hear that someone like you had a plan and you thought this out right um whereas some guys like they, they don't have they don't have anything. a plan yeah. yeah well and you know sometimes that could be good and sometimes that could be bad um and like Joey never had another plan. It was like mm-hmm. this was his entire plan, and I always worried about him. Right, but like I and like he was always like a fan favorite. Everyone always loved Joey, mm-hmm. but I was worried. I was like, man, he has like no clue what he wants to do. It like he would never be able to hold down like a real job for like a long time and whatever. Right. And, and uh, so I was just kind of like worried, but at the same time, it was like. I mean, he did it. He put went whole hog into it. And that's really what you have to do. I mm-hmm. mean, there was a point where um, I was teaming with Paul London. We were lost in London. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> love that. Yeah. Yeah. So and he was yeah, he was training at UPW and then he was going to go. He's going to leave. And he goes, dude, you should come with me. He goes, I like tagging with you. We should just go. We should go tag everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was too afraid to do it. I didn't do it. And uh, I had like responsibilities here. Mm-hmm. I had a car payment. I had, you know, a job or whatever. And like, it was just too scary. And I regret not doing it because he ended up going, started wrestling in ROH and that's where he blew up. And then he signed mm-hmm. to the WWE. And uh, it's like, man, I should have, should have probably went with him. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is what it is. Things yeah. happen. You well, know, whatever at, things at the happen same for time, a reason. Like you, you can have a life after wrestling yes and it's also like just as creatively satisfying as well absolutely um i I get people asking me all the time to to come back Mm -hmm. to come back to wrestling and i'm just like it's my heart's not into it i honestly i don't watch it on tv anymore like it's it's really tough yeah it's really tough too like part of the reason why i don't watch it is because it like it's rough because it's like oh, all my contemporaries are on TV. It's like those are all my friends. Like mm-hmm. we were all at the same level, and now they're on TV, and it's just like ah, that hurts. And it's and it's not because they're on TV. It's because I'm not. And it was. It's all in timing. It mm-hmm. was like the time wasn't right. If it, there was no money when I was working, and it's like well, the, there's money in it now, but I would have had to wrestled for nine more years before there was money in yeah. it. And it's just like, no, I didn't, you know, like I'm beat up enough as it is now. And like, I can't imagine what their bodies are like. And, right. you know, but, you know, financially things are going really great. Mm-hmm. Like they're in a great financial position. But at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't think about wrestling anymore because, because of those elements. It's like, right. you know, it's like, yeah, I would have, but I would have to have done that. And honestly, I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And um, I, I totally understand that feeling of like seeing your contemporaries, on TV because like I was going to school for um, animation mm-hmm. and I um, 
I passed every class in school. I couldn't finish my thesis. I, I didn't even get my my degree there. I, um, but like a lot of my contemporaries who you know, I passed all my classes with them. I was right there with them. But like you know, I see their names in like credits of certain yeah, movies, and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh boy, <laughs> yeah, man, what could have been yeah, if I had the time? But, absolutely, that but stuff. At hits the same home, time, yeah. yeah, it hits home, but you, you can't let it stop you either. Like, right. I, I was just like, you know what? Yeah, it didn't work out, but this is my 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 life's not going that way, right? You know, and it's like this is the path that's better, yeah, suited for me. Yeah, I you know, I, and I feel the same way. Like, I look at what I've done since I've left wrestling, mm-hmm. and like, I love my life. My life's really awesome, to right. be honest. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, I'm 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 making my own books. I'm you know trying to get it picked up by a big studio. It's like it's kind of like pro wrestling in the same way. Like you're working mm-hmm. the indies. It's like working the indies, like drawing your books. It's like yeah. the hope that one day you're gonna get picked up. And that's that's all it is. So it's just like, well, I keep putting in the work, and I'll keep making these comics, and and hope hopes that a company sees like, oh, this is worth my time, and then you know, then boom, you hit you hit pay dirt, and you're off and running, and mm-hmm. you're doing something you love. Right. The the benefit of drawing over wrestling is I don't wake up on Monday morning sore, right, and um, with a footprint on my face or anything, and <laughs> broken bones, and I can draw into my. 70s until my hands stop working exactly it's something you, know? you can keep doing yeah and i you know for people listening i you know for every one saying like oh you should just gun all in like joey ryan yeah. my, my counterpoint is like for every joey ryan how many times does that go wrong yeah where someone does that and tons. like now they can't even you know people can't walk they have anymore. no they have no real oops apologies oh no Something. worries that's that's uh, one of the artists that are actually coming over oh, um, for twenty four hour comic quick day. Him and his wife, they're they're uh, both artists, and they're gonna bring a, a table. Oh, so for the pod, um, I'm doing twenty four hour comic book day at my house, and by the time this comes out, it already have happened. But uh, f- for us right now in this moment, it is tomorrow morning or tomorrow at noon. So I'm gonna have five artists in my place, and we're gonna start comics at twelve and go all the way until Sunday at twelve, and um, we're gonna try to finish a comic book. Like individually, are people going to be able to find that comic book somewhere? Uh, yes. So the the story that I'm doing it's for the Accidental Aliens anthology 2020. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to have a Kickstarter for it in March. So we do a Kickstarter oh. every March um, for our anthology series. So that way we'll have it in time for Free Comic Book Day. Mm-hmm. The book itself will not be free, but it'll be ready by Free Comic right. Book Day. Um, and so my goal for this 24 hour Comic Book Day, this is my first 24 hour Comic Book Day, um, is to start and finish that anthology story. Mm-hmm. So, and it's going to be super rad because, um, for one, I've never done this. And then, <laughs> so two, if for, for one, I've never done it. And for two, I want to see if I can complete seven pages in a cover in 24 hours. Right. See, and, see you're still challenging yourself. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like this, that's what's really the important thing to yeah. take away from your story. Like you found another area to like, Hey, I can express myself here. I can tell this story here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's like been my whole life. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. like when we started this podcast off, I trade, I trained myself as a kid to draw comics. Mm-hmm. Wrestling just happened to be a 10 year gap <laughs> <laughs> for me drawing those comics. Um, and I love it. You know, it's like, 
I love every aspect of my life. My life is pretty rad. So it was like, I got to do this one thing. I became indie famous for a while for it. And so like the hope is like, Oh, I'll become famous for comic books too. You know? And it's just like, if you never try, you'll never get anywhere. You right. know? So it's like, I'm going to put everything into this. You know, this is one of those things where I can put everything in and mm-hmm. I don't have an expiration date like I did in wrestling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, Again, we're back to saying, like, you know, for every Joey Ryan, there's, you know, the story doesn't go wrong. Right. I think you've found, like, the right balance. I think you've put in the right plan. And um, and I think what people don't understand, another thing is, like, just go for the money. Like, no, you're doing what makes you happy. Yeah. And that's and that's something I've always done. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's never been I'm – not, I'm not a person that's uh, super into money. Like, yeah. I, I – m- having money is nice. Like, having the ability to – go out to eat whenever you want and it's just like not worry about that mm-hmm. that's cool i have that i'm not and but i don't need an overabundance of money to make right. me happy and and like for me drawing comic books creating comic books it's it's cool because i've actually made more money drawing comics uh in these these uh nine nine years than i than i have ever in wrestling which that's, is kind of wild that's astounding to yeah. me considering you know the, some of the matches you were in yeah like, wow. yeah it's it's like i'm telling you dude like the, the money <laughs> was not there in wrestling when i was working and if it was like that was the goal was like if by 30 i am not making a financial living off of wrestling i will stop Mm -hmm. and i was nowhere close to it there was no way financially i could have survived off of wrestling especially in san diego if i moved to the east coast maybe 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 but not not in not in socal Um, but but uh comics Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a known name. I'm not. I'm not indie. Even indie famous in, in comics the mm-hmm. way I was in wrestling. Like nowhere close. But I've made so much more money. <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of crazy. And so all, and oddly enough, like a lot of crossover between wrestling and comic book fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. You know what's weird though? It doesn't always go the other way. Like what I found out in wrestling, and I thought the same thing. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, all these wrestling fans are all comic book fans. Mm-hmm. No, a lot of no. them weren't. But if you go to wrestling or if you go to comic shows. A lot of them are wrestling fans. You get you, oh. the crossover goes. It's kind of weird. The crossover goes one way more than the other because not all not all comic fans go to indie shows. A lot of That's those true. comic fans are like WWE fans. Yeah. But everyone that goes to PWG or wherever else, they're all indie fans because they're going to PWG. I mean, that's true. I didn't yeah. start going to indie shows until like, you know, last year. Yeah. So that's, oh, wow. Yeah, it's inter- it's very interesting. Huh. I like thinking about stuff like that. It's just like kind of wild. It's like, oh, this is strange. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> there was, it was funny because uh, I think it was two years ago, uh, not this past San Diego Comic Con, but the San Diego before, I was in Artist Alley mm-hmm. and it might have been two years at this, this point. Is this your first con or? No, no this good. maybe my second year in Artist Alley, okay. maybe, maybe third year. Okay. But there was a guy that was walking by and he's wearing a PWG shirt. And I was like, huh. Nice. I started that company. And, and then <laughs> and then he like looked at me and he was like, huh? And I was like, and he like looked down at his shirt and he's like, and then he looked at me and he goes, what? And I'm like, oh, I, I, one of the guys that started that company. I'm like, I was one of the, like the original guys that started that company. He goes, oh, oh, that's cool. What's your name? I'm like, oh, I'm Scott Lost. And he goes, oh shit, are you like that Scott Lost? I was like, yeah, that's me. And so he goes, oh shit, man. He goes, oh, this is so cool. And so it was funny because I had, I think I had a beard at the time or something like that. Uh-huh. And when I was the last 
I think my the last half of my career, I had a buzzed head. Okay. So like I have hair now and I, have, I had a beard at the time. So I was just like, oh, I don't blame him for not recognizing. Plus, I mean, shit, it had been seven years at that point. I don't expect that. Oh, of course. Okay. You know, and he yeah. looked like a relatively young guy. So I mm-hmm. didn't assume that he knew, right. you know, me. But it was just kind of interesting. Like it was interesting to be on that side of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But that, that's... That's still pretty cool, though, because in that sense, you kind of have your, you you may not have, you know, be part of, like, what's going on now, but yeah. it's like, you, you are part of history. You left yeah. your mark. You like, they can't, no one can take that away from you. Yeah, that's that's something I love about my wrestling career, too, is, is like we were talking about earlier, I saw, I see guys on TV all the time doing all my shit, <laughs> and I'm just like... You for sure watch my matches. I'm like, that's cool. You know who I am. Like, you know, and so like there was one, um, uh, Natty Neidhart did a double sharpshooter Mm -hmm. and everyone was tweeting me. And people were texting me. They're like, "Oh shit, Natty and I heard just did Scott lost a double sharpshooter." I'm like, "Oh nice." Some either she saw one of my matches where I did it, or someone showed her how to do my double sharpshooter. Right. It's it, like it's somehow it, it's gonna lead back to what you. Yeah. Do. Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, because I was I do shit that no one else is yeah. thinking of. Like no one's thinking to do that. Mm-hmm. And like you have to figure it out. Like I figured it out. Um, I wouldn't say it. no. It wasn't by accident. I definitely try to figure it out. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's you know, there's things that people do, and I'm like Cedric Alexander. That's okay. his name in in NXT, or he's maybe he's on the. Oh, he's he's fun to watch. Yeah, he's on he's on the the main roster. He's on the main roster. Yeah, he does a lot of my shit. That's the guy. So oh, he does, okay, okay. He does the bag, big fat kill, um, but he also he he, um, he did this. Uh, getting all the way back to it, he did a back elbow, and that's when I text TJ. I was uh. like, "Hey, see if he watches my <laughs> shit." Like because he just moved in a way that only I move in. Mm-hmm. Like n- people don't move like that. It right. was an intentional choice that I had made. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, TJ says whatever he says, and then ten minutes later, he goes. Yeah, he watches your shit. He, he, he loves your shit. He's, he's a big fan of your stuff. I was like, I knew well, it. Well, just because from what I know of him and then what I have seen of PWG is that, like, yeah, he'd fit right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and I think that was um, the biggest part of of no longer watching wrestling. The, the part that was kind of like, well, this is rough to watch, was when NXT first started rolling around, it was like watching a PWG show. Right. I was like... We're just watching one of our shows. We're mm-hmm. wrestling. They're all wrestling in a style that I would wrestle in because I was such a. Um, it was this hybrid style that that I, I don't. I want to say I developed it or anything, but it was like UPW. You were trained to wrestle in a WWE style match, mm-hmm. like the way you thought about matches, the way you broke matches down. It was a WWE style, mm-hmm. and then you go on to the indies. It's a completely different animal, right? Because no one has. It's like the equivalent to um, uh, doing a podcast where you're not allowed to cuss, right? You're censored. You're kind of maybe maybe corporate or whatever. You're there's certain things you're not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what UPW was like. You, right. you are not allowed to do this because you won't be allowed to do it in the WWE. So we are going to train you how to be a wrestler in the WWE, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. Makes yeah. tons of sense. On the indies. It's like the fucking Wild West. Mm-hmm. And it's just like everyone's got a gun and yeah. everyone wants to shoot it all the time. And <laughs> yeah. like, you know, so it was just completely different. So I developed this hybrid style, which was a WWE indie style. It was like this would maybe be acceptable in the WWE, I think. I'm going to do a lot of indie shit in here. 
but I'm going to make it all make sense. The, mm-hmm. the psychology will be there. Yeah. And so that's what NXT was. NXT was my style of wrestling. So I was like, I'm just watching. And that's kind of what PWG became PWG. Like some guys go off more than others. Like they would do stuff that I wouldn't do or, or whatever. But, um, it, essentially it was kind of that style mm-hmm. and that kind of led me to go like, I don't think I could watch this anymore. It's yeah, I mean, I, a little depressing. I, yeah. I, I have to admit. And like, uh, just to credit to the style you helped develop is like, you know, that's the most compelling show to me personally, at least, yeah. and, you know, that kind of style of wrestling. Cause you, you turn on, um, I guess you'd call it safer or more family-friendly style yeah. that you see on the main roster. Yeah, I, I, I generally can't watch it. It's not no knock on the talent there. I'm sure they're great, but it, it's not for me. Right? They're they're not getting to express themselves as much. Um, there's there's some handcuffs there. Yeah. So sure. it's kind of like you're you're yeah you're just playing it safer or whatever. And then NXT they kind of let you go a little mm-hmm. bit crazier, kind of be yourself. And um, I remember when um, Sami Zayn and Claudio, what's his WWE name? Uh, Cesaro. Cesaro. So I guess they had they had this like five star match on NXT, and it was like the talk of the town. Everyone mm-hmm. was talking about it. Yeah. So they're like, Scott, you, you got to watch this match. I said, all right. So I finally sat down and I watched it, and, and I was like, okay. And they're like, wasn't it awesome? I'm all, I've seen him have better matches than that at pwg like yeah. like a lot because <laughs> because i knew those guys for years so like they would always you know they're they would just knock down drag out do crazy shit and then the thing that i was missing the thing that they were trying to point out to me because i was so far removed from it was yeah but it was indie match in the wwe that's why it was cool and i was mm-hmm. like oh okay that's and that was kind of the start of it all in nxt like after it. that it was kind of like all right the gloves are off and we're gonna let these guys go and see what they can do and then um when the 205 live uh started happening like they're really letting them go and i'm yeah. like this is too much <laughs> like <laughs> like as, as an indie guy i was relatively conservative mm-hmm. you know com- compared to others and i was like this this shit's too much like they're doing way too much like what's <laughs> happening right now i like, this is like a stunt show yeah like i'm like this isn't even wrestling at this point so like it's kind of weird because i would have these old school thoughts when watching these matches like there's certain things that you just didn't do mm-hmm. i remember the craziest thing i'd ever done in a match was i started the match off with a diamond cutter and it was like <laughs> can i do this because it was an eight man right. tag or it was like a 10 man tag um i think it was one of the bolas because normally you're trying to set up the move or build right, to it. right right and then so the cutter was one of my my big false finishes mm-hmm. and uh so but it was eight man tag i'm like all right tell did you tell me if this is too crazy <laughs> I was like, I want to slide into the ring and just give you a diamond cutter. And I want to try to pin you, but as I hit it, I want you to hit and then roll out of the ring and just be dead. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> so it's like one of those things going all the way back to, to psychology. Right. The psychology would never allow me to do something like that. But the thing is, it's 10-man tag. There's four other people on the apron that can break it up or do whatever. Mm-hmm. So the idea is Scott potentially could have won that match if Disco Machine didn't roll out as soon as he hit it. Right. And then so it's like you think about things like that. You just start breaking things down differently. Also, there's 10 of you. It's like it, hey, time to get this moving. <laughs> yes. And it was like ding, 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 boom, diamond cutter. And yeah. and, and and so, but like it, it was so far out of my old school thought, you know, mm-hmm. like mentality. It was like mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Like, yeah. can you guys clear me to do this? But my brain says this is okay. And then everyone's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, cause, cause the 10 man tags, like if you watch old PWG stuff, 10 man tags are usually really, really fun. Like yeah. they're really fun matches. And what you were describing with like your friend telling you about Cesaro and, um, uh, that match, I, uh, that's how I kind of slowly started to learn about PWG. I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not going to pretend that like, oh, I was with it all along. Yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of, I came back into wrestling like end of 2017 when things started getting more exciting again. Yeah, because it and, had its down period again. Yeah. Like, um, well, yeah, like what, 20, 2016, 2017 mm-hmm. is when it started getting big again? Or yeah, and that's, something, yeah. I, I was getting in right about there, and then like, and I was bullet like, club oh, yeah, I was liking stuff like I'm wearing my describing. bullet club. Yes, thank you for that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Birdo and Elaine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, completely yeah. coincidental, by the way. Like, Oh, really? Oh, yeah, completely. Perfect. Yeah, it was not that's, like a gimmick. I didn't set it up That's even better, because that means you're just wearing it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I rock this stuff all the time. It's funny. Um, it's a good fitting shirt. I like yeah. it a lot. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I like, oh, you like this, you should check this out. That It kind of led me to like, oh, this is what was going on here. And then again, this is why I thought it was like such a good opportunity to, to talk to you and to yeah. talk about like your time there. Yeah. Uh, and then to find out now you're doing comics. My Again, like me, lifelong, I've been reading comics since I can remember. So it's it's just fascinating, like your transition to this other thing that I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, um, I I love it. I'm I'm really hitting a stride right now. I think mm-hmm. um, the last book I put out was Wanderers of Melisanda, number one, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a book I've been working on for like since 2017, like off and on. Mm-hmm. I um, did it, it. Is this one? It's just you or like you wrote and that one is it's it's relatively just me so so the second shift i have a writer on so Mm -hmm. i i draw uh i draw the second shift and um uh but i co-plot it Mm -hmm. so it'll be like okay i'll kind of leave the skeleton Mm-hmm. of what I want to do with my writer. I'm like, look, okay, in the okay. first issue, we're going to do this. There, This storyline is going to be a five-issue storyline. And uh, so first issue, this needs to happen, issue two, three, so on and so forth. And then so he'll he'll take that mm-hmm. and then he'll send me a script and then we'll kind of work it together like he'll he'll write it full on. I'm like, this is dope. This works. Can we change this? And he tweaks stuff and um you know um does this thing he'll come back i kind of put in jokes for like especially for a certain character like the second shift is interesting because there it's four characters but they're all just different parts of my personality mm-hmm. so it's just um it helps me uh break down their dialogue like how they would sound right so like i have one character she is uh the intellect i have one character that's the leader but he's also my um my doubt, my concern, and which makes for an interesting character. So he's the one post- supposed to lead them, but he he second guesses himself a lot. Um, and one character is my youth, and so he's the character that's obsessed with um, pro wrestling and comics, and you know he's the jokester or whatever. So he's mm-hmm. he's the one that's the easiest for me to write. So, right. um, and then um, his sister is uh, uh, like she's she's kind of like the i don't know no nonsense um kind of strict kind of your straight man yeah character yeah she's she's the one that keeps everything in line right yeah so 
uh, they're all broken up in those different personalities. She's the she's the adult in the room, essentially. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not surprised at all that you can think that way. You've basically been doing character work for ten years. Yeah, in wrestling. So yeah, I, I don't think like it's not that much of a jump in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the second shift. Those are just four different parts of my personality. So it's easy for me to write those characters and and kind of like direct them and like how would they react to this because this is how i would react to it and then um with my writer what's help what helps is he so they're not all one way right because essentially they're all me so he will add stuff in there there i'll kind of like go i don't know if they would do that but then i realize well i'm coming from a place of they're all me this is how i would react to it Mm -hmm. and i'm like well if they were mostly intellect no that's not a good idea because i my intellect actually that's the thing that steers me the most like my thought process like logically that doesn't make any sense so why would i do that right (laughs) so like the other ones that are a little you know a little more this or that that's not completely my character he'll kind of lean into those and direct those in kind of a way where i wouldn't have thought to go with it Mm -hmm. and i'm like that is in line with that type of personality so i i wouldn't make those choices but Mm -hmm. it's essentially dividing my personality up and so each of those have to grow on its own so so anyway that's that's why that's interesting and and uh but wanderers is is almost all me so it's like i usually write the dialogue and i draw all the the, the art and everything mm-hmm. um i do the i do zip so instead of color i do zip which is like mm-hmm. the dots and the gradients and stuff that I they see. use in like manga yeah and uh i just wanted to have a different feel because the second shift is essentially like standard american comic book style gotcha and then so to kind of give my brain something else to work with i do i started this manga style um it's kind of a mixture of manga and like american cartoons like maybe disney yeah you can definitely see your different influences in the in the comic book it actually is like kind of a fun world you've kind of built up and oh, it'll good. be like fun to see like stories and again it's only the one issue out so far as yeah. of now yeah mm-hmm. so i got to read that uh well i got a copy of it from you at comic-con and i just refreshed myself with the digital today all of it all of it's available online yes. right now <laughs> accidental aliens yeah yes mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it's like a fun world you've built up because you can tell it, it's it's kind of like part mad max and it's a little more sci-fi in this area yeah uh actually why don't you just tell people the the premise of the uh, book? Yeah. yeah 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 it's um it's a thousand years in the future we start colonizing other planets mm-hmm. and come across the planet Melisanda, where the meteor never hit so the dinosaurs of that world uh survived and evolved and so it's about two dominant species trying to coexist on one planet um and then you know how that goes us humans aren't good with with playing no. nice <laughs> so um so yeah um and i love the way the the dinosaurs evolved when you see that first frame of it you see them like interacting it's like oh that's how they evolved them and it, it yeah. actually like, oh, i like that spin on it <laughs> oh thanks man yeah it's it's cool it's a it's a fun world um it's just so different than the second shift and i mm-hmm. i love the second shift second shift's my baby and and me and my writer we have tons of plans like we just laid out the first 30 issues mm-hmm. like i was like hey what are we doing after this storyline and and because uh, he's we're we're four storyline or four issues ahead and um so I was like, what are we doing after that, though? And then we started laying stuff out. And so we have the first 30 issues planned. And unfortunately, I'm I'm like, I have so much to do all the time. Yeah. Like, it's it's tough to get more than, than two issues out a year. And then doing Wanderers and then doing the anthology. But I'm getting quicker. So yeah. it's like, it's like, okay, I can actually do all of those in one year. So it's like I'm doing four books in a year. But it's like, 
it's still slow. Yeah, you know, that's a, it's a different type of grind that, again, people don't understand. Like, yeah. I've, I've met illustrators uh, when I was still in art school, and, like, they tell me what their, their day-to-day is like, and it's it's rough. It's rough, man. Yeah. Each page takes me uh, 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually developed my own method and for for an issue it actually worked really well but i'm finding that i'm doing i'm going slower again but i'm i'm trying a different approach so i developed this message i call it the slack method it's a scott lost advance uh, uh cartooning method mm-hmm. so it's like instead of working on one page at a time i work on eight pages at a time okay so i work digitally now um but i'll thumbnail eight pages onto one sheet and every day much like anything like you feel like doing certain things certain days right so some days i'll wake up and i'm like i only feel like drawing characters today i don't feel like touching any backgrounds but if i'm doing one page at a time and i've done all the characters on it then i have to do the backgrounds and when i do that i'm going to be slower because i don't feel like working on it Mm -hmm. so with the slack method I can draw all the characters on eight pages at once. So it's like, oh, I finished all the characters. Let me move to this next page. Right. Character, character, character. So what I'm doing is I'm erasing any lag time. So there's no longer any downtime. Instead of slagging through backgrounds, which I don't feel like doing, I can actually keep being productive and drawing character work. Mm -hmm. Then there's days that I wake up and go like, dude, I could draw all the backgrounds right now. So I'll go in there and I'll start banging out backgrounds because I'm in the background mode. So yeah, it it eliminates the lag time and just cuts my time in half. So where I was taking 20 hours per page, it cut my time down to 10. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause all the lag time was gone. There was no, 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 uh, you know, jerking off, like, you know, trying to figure power through stuff. It was just like, you know, there are days where you do have to just power through stuff, but this eliminated a lot of time. Um, but this issue, um, issue, uh, nine issue nine. Um, I've, I've gotten a lot of tips from, uh, guys like a couple of mentors. So like I have uh, cheeks, Sean, Sean Galloway, He's, he's one of my mentors, um, and he gives me tips on, like, how to better lay out my pages and stuff like that and just pointing things out. Um, like, I've been friends with, like, Brett Booth online for, like, I don't even know how many years. Um, he recently did a cover for me. It's actually right there. It's the cover Ooh. to the next issue. Um, <laughs> well, I get the sneak preview. Folks. Yes. You guys you are going to have to wake. <laughs> it's freaking rad. Um, his, his inker on bloodshot he's drawing bloodshot right now okay uh, and flash flash something it's with wally west flash forward i think it's flash forward so he's working on blood strike and flash forward and so um he had time to do a cover for me and um he referred me to his inker to ink it so his inker is doing a blue line copy of that so i'm actually have two originals i'm gonna have his original and i'm gonna have the inkers um Oh, shoot. I forget his name. Uh, <laughs> Adeleso Corona. His last name's Corona. Okay. Uh, I think it's Adeleso. Where's my phone? Where on earth did... You can, uh, we can add it on the intro. Oh, okay. Too. Yeah. Okay. We, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so anyway, I got them working on stuff. Uh, why did I bring him up? I brought him up for a reason. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, um, when he was working on the cover, I, I shot him over the latest issue of the second shift. And I was like... Hey, uh, yeah, because he needed to see all the characters and everything. So yeah. I said, hey, did you have a chance to flip through? Was there anything that you saw, like anything that I need to work on, all of the things I need to work on? And he just, uh, he pointed out backgrounds. He was just like, uh, 
he's like, you need to do more backgrounds. I want you to do more backgrounds. Like I've seen it, saw a lot of open space and, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I thought I did a lot of backgrounds. And I was like, I always do establishing shots. Cause that's something, um, Sean Murphy had, had said was, um, you can do on one page, you can do one gangbuster background shot. Right. And that will establish the whole page. You don't, after that, you don't even need to do any backgrounds on the rest of the page. Cause they know what's going on. They saw mm-hmm. it. So I've always took that. Uh, into account working on my pages but brett's theory was like no you don't have enough backgrounds and and i'm like okay all right so i guess i need more backgrounds yeah, you so, just need like a little yeah. indicator here and there yeah, yeah so so and then um jim lee um at the stories across media uh event last year i went to a jim lee panel mm-hmm. and uh, i actually got to talk to him after after the panel um there was a line and my buddy's like hey do you want to go meet jim lee i'm like i've met jim lee he's super cool and he goes oh we can go meet him again i'm like yeah why not we're not doing anything and and uh <laughs> so we went in line and uh, got up to him there are people behind me and i said hey, would you mind taking a look at my book and like maybe just give me a couple of pointers maybe pointing anything out and he goes oh, i really don't have time he goes this is not really good time but you know you can give it to me and then i could message you later or whatever I'm like, okay sounds good you know every in every thought in my mind goes i'm never gonna hear from him again yeah he's jim lee he has way too much stuff to do like i yeah i totally get that yeah he has a thousand <laughs> kids and he runs yeah. dc so he's gonna be busy and i it's like i'm not even gonna be upset that he doesn't get back to me. like i understand right so um i'm fussling in my back back for it and the security guard's like hey just go do that off the sign so we could keep the line moving i'm like all right cool makes sense so i move over i find the book and uh I was like, oh, let's just get to the end of the line. I'm yeah. like, there's not that many people left. And like, it, it wasn't, which was super cool about it was like, it was kind of intimate. It was super intimate, mm-hmm. the event. And so I just got back in line and just waited at the end. And uh, he goes, okay, let's take a look at it. So I was like, wow, you remembered. Oh, fucking A. Like, yeah. I didn't have to, and I didn't have to just give it to him and he's going to run off. Like, since we got at the end of the line, there was no one left. Yeah. So he was able to go through it. Uh, with me and he goes okay so first off and he was like look you have a lot of straight on backgrounds like a lot of your shots are straight on he was like your characters aren't straight on but your backgrounds are he goes you need to vary that up and you know mm-hmm. and so I was like, okay and then so i took all the information i got from you know like cheeks brett and uh, jim i mean yeah you can't really ask for yeah pedigree right oh my there. God. Yeah. yeah so it was like i'm applying all of that into this next issue issue nine and you're not formally trained or did you no. go to school you just self no i took some classes okay. my dad uh my dad was a painter okay so i inherited some ability mm-hmm. some natural ability i took some classes in college and then uh but not comic classes like when i was right. going to college i didn't have comic class now right. kids have comic classes it's awesome mm-hmm. so but i i didn't go to art school or anything like that just formally or not not formally trained um so but like I feel I feel like in wrestling it's like I I knew how to do it before I thought like before I thought I knew how to do it I actually knew how to do it already mm-hmm. and I've been reading comics since I was a little kid so there's a lot of things that I've learned just reading comics over the years and then plus any time a creator talks about how certain things work i always listen Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's i didn't go to a school but i kind of did like i i listen to everything that everyone says that's a professional Mm -hmm. and i take that into account and like like not everyone has the same train of thought on how things work like sean murphy's train of thought on how a page works is different than brett booth's and i value both of their opinions so but it's just like jeet kundo man you figure it out like take what's useful for me and apply it 
because what might be useful for one of them isn't exactly useful for me. So it's just like, I just got to figure out the middle ground. I got to find the middle ground between what these two dudes are teaching and, and see what works for my page and like how I lay stories out. Damn. And, uh, I think we're going to end it on that. That's some great advice. And then, dude, this was awesome talking to you. Thank you. Oh yeah, for man. This taking has been the time fun. out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where can people find you and do you have anything else, uh, to plug maybe a panel that's at the end of the month? <laughs> oh yeah. So we got that stories across media at Balboa park. Um, it's the, the San Diego comic con museum. So we'll be doing a wrestling related panel, mm-hmm. uh, wrestling and comics. Yeah. Uh, rest storytelling and wrestling, storytelling and wrestling. So we'll be doing that. Um, and I, by the time this comes out, we have already completed the 24 hour comic book day so check out my social media to see how it went you can go to facebook.com forward slash scott lost or twitter and instagram at scott lost s-c-o-t-t-l-o-s-t and then you can pick up my comic books by either hitting me up on instagram or twitter um, i can get you a sweet bundle pack for 30 bucks it'll be basically all of my individual books um, or uh, you can go to accidentalaliens.com and then that has all of my books on there as well you can pick up digital copies physical copies um unfortunately the bundle pack is not on there i need to get (laughs) that on there somehow Uh, but if you want the bundle pack hit me up and i'll I'll hook it up um and uh, yeah if you get that i usually kind of draw draw on the envelope there draw draw you a headshot or something so yeah go do those things (laughs) and again i can vouch that the website works great the download worked really oh, easily perfect. so yeah, yeah I was, we, were, we were having some troubles with that um about a month ago and so i was hitting the people i'm like hey did you guys get the digital and and like it was kind of a weird situation where like some of them were responding and some of them weren't oh. and then like the people that were responding were the ones that are getting the physical copies mm-hmm. and they're uh um and then a couple of them were um just digital and then i didn't hear back from them. I'm like that's weird like yeah at least tell me you got the copies you know like yeah. but i'm glad it, i'm glad it worked and it, it sent through to yeah you, so, so. If not it's not a problem anymore you can go to scott's uh, social media and his website and get all his stuff there you can find me on instagram at justin malari and on twitter at justin underscore malari and the geek offensive has its own social media as well with the handle at geek offensive on just about everything this show is brought to you by the Geek Say What Network, so big thank you to the network and its owner, JPG, uh, for providing a platform for us. He makes me say thank you to him. But <laughs> um, but the network has a plethora of other shows available right now, ready for download on all major platforms, or just basically wherever you get a podcast. Uh, first up, we have Ready, Said Geek, hosted by Alex Catherine. It's your starting line to geek culture. You have uh, Geek Kale, our weekly trivia podcast, hosted by Justin Madragan Ish. And then we have Nerds on a Roll, our actual play RPG podcast hosted by Rob Segarra and Lauren Peterson and their whole crew. DGIF, or Diverse Geeks in Focus, hosted by Gemma Vidal, putting a lens on marginalized issues within the geek community. And finally, out for download, despite JPG's best efforts, is PNG Pencil Net Geeks, hosted by Berto Ponce and Elaine DeLalis. Um, all of those shows are available right now. Please go download and subscribe. We really do appreciate it. Uh, next shout out goes to associate producers Whalen Productions who normally provide the space and equipment for us but this is a remote recording um, you can find them at whalen.ws um, and please follow their audio drama We're Alive Gold Rush now available on Apple Podcasts as well 
Last shout out goes to our apparel sponsor, jordandene.com. That's Jordan, D-E-N-E.com. They're a geek apparel store out of Brooklyn, New York. They help you look nerdy and they're eco-friendly. And if you shop with the promo code GeekSayWhat, you get 20% off your next purchase. So buy a shirt, you heathens. And I believe that's it. Scott, thank you so much for doing this. No, thank you for having uh, me. Appreciate and then, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the panel at the end of the month. And, uh, yeah, folks, go support him. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe to join the offensive. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.